0: Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host, and we're a group of law enforcement professionals. You know, we talk about today's news and issues from a law enforcement perspective, so that's the twist. Our goal is to make you guys among the smartest people in the room when it comes to the news and that law enforcement perspective. Let me introduce the crew. Guys, if you don't mind mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have, yes, he's back, Sheriff Mark Kreider, all the way from Walla Walla County and Washington State. Yeah, Brett and I are in Florida. He's all the way across the country. So uh, also, he's retired FBI. So thanks for being on the on the show, share. Appreciate it. Also, uh, retired Captain Brett Bartlett from the Tampa Police Department. Thirty-two year career. I would say almost exceptional. Almost, almost an exceptional career now. Brett's, Brett's a, uh, he's still a trainer. He's still got, he's still got skin in the game. So uh, thanks for being on the show, guys. Appreciate it. Also a shout out to our sponsors. We have Gauls, aufire.com, gunlearn.com, bluethegold.com, and mymedicare.live. And a shout out to Brian Burns with the free press at tampafp.com. Thanks for hearing our content. And also Ray Dietrich with Red Voice Media. You know, we're streaming to eight locations right now. That's in addition to, All the radio stations that we're live going to, and then we're of course, you know, delayed on some other radio stations. Uh, but these eight streams that we have going, three of them belong to Red Voice Media, and those three Facebook pages alone have about a million followers. So thanks to Red Voice Media and Ray Dietrich for helping make that happen. Uh guys, great lineup today as far as topics goes. You know, our first topic is usually a main topic. They have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. This particular one. Is written by uh, Chief Joel Schultz, and we're all big fans of Joel Schultz, and it's at lawofficer.com. Brett and I talked about this briefly yesterday uh, and trying to pick the topic, the compliance crisis. I'll say it again, the compliance crisis. So, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show. There's a reason for that, and if we're making you guys among the smartest people in the room, this article will help because it'll help you understand why compliance is so important, and if you're one of those citizens that thinks, you know what, you know, the lawful order of a law enforcement officer, you think that you can determine what that lawful order is and when it's not a lawful order, when you might have the uh, the justification for not obeying that order, man, that's just quite a heavy hurdle uh, to go over. And if you're wrong, uh, let me put it this way. When I get pulled over by a cop, and, or I'm given any instructions by law enforcement I'm at least smart enough to know I may not be always the smartest guy in the room I just hang out with a lot guys a lot smarter than me I mean look at the panel right you know uh, you know the captain and the sheriff but at least I'm smart enough to know that there's things that I typically don't know that law enforcement knows and that's why I'm going to jump through any hoop they tell me to jump through if they want me to stand on one leg and you know tap my you know tap my head i'm gonna i'm gonna do that because there's things they know that I don't know and I don't need to know and we'll explain that in a minute so Joel Schultz starts off saying that he's not sure if there's any research statistics on the matter, but he guarantees that if you ask any law enforcement officer who has worked patrol for at least 10 years, if noncompliance and disrespect have dramatically increased, that those guys can tell you that it's more frequent now than it's ever been. He goes on to say that disrespect is a constitutional right, but noncompliance with a lawful order is not. Now, state laws and well settled court cases define when a citizen is required to do what a police officer orders them to do. And look, I'm saying police officers. We have, uh, you know, Sheriff Mark Kreider on the on the show too. So I'm talking about, you know, law enforcement officers. Doesn't matter whether they're, you know, city cops, you know, county deputies, you know, state agents or whatever, or federal agents. Um, he goes on to say it's part of our social contract with others that we accept limitations on otherwise unbridled liberty for the good of everybody. And we can debate the extent and philosophy of that idea forever. But we all know that if we don't allow a momentary inconvenience to promote an orderly society in a complex world that chaos and criminality will follow. And if the reader disagrees with that fundamental statement, all you have to do is just go read the newspaper. Now, um, let's go on. I've already kind of hinted about, you know, these citizens that think they know better than the cops know. And goes on to talk about the use of force continuum, explains that how cops have rules of engagement so to speak when we deal with uh you know bad guys or really anybody because some of these guys because use of force continuum really starts off at the at, at presence just being there in uniform uh typically you know that's a use of force and you're, you're dealing with with good guys sometimes too I- until you find out they're not bad guys but in most of the models chief schultz says that including the um you know the um the use of force continuum that I'm talking about, the first level of gaining complaints is known as officer presence, which I just hinted to. The very appearance of an officer of the law should remind a citizen that the law and that social convention requires submission to lawful authority. When a citizen accepts this legal and moral requirement further use of persuasion and physical force, it's not needed. An essential component of officer presence is not merely showing up, but also doing so with a degree of gravity and attitude and appearance. All right, so he's saying... You've got to have that that presence of authority, right? Um, Not too passive, not too aggressive. He goes on to say that while there's a balance between authoritative presence and authoritative appearance and an authoritarian attitude, an officer should project the expectation that things are to be brought under control and handled efficiently and professionally. If officer presence fails, then verbal commands follow. And if that doesn't work, you go hands-on. And then you go to the impact weapons uh, maybe even taser and stuff. And then finally, deadly force. And that's why officer presence and citizen compliance is so critical in avoiding you know, um, physical force. He goes on to say that uh, that's also why noncompliance after pedestrian contract or traffic stop can escalate, not due to the officer doing their job, but due to the citizen's refusal to obey the law regarding compliance. The increasing problem of noncompliance and false narratives um, like uh, a a driver being shot for for a broken taillight has resulted in some prohib- prohibitions on traffic enforcement and the reluctance of many police officers to make contact at all the spiral is a contributing factor in the rise of crime as police officers are by policy and by fear of reprisal deciding that it's just not worth the battle anymore they're getting out of the game or they're simply there and they're not doing anything so that said um sheriff and captain I'm curious what you guys have to think you know captain i know that you were the commander of the internal affairs you know unit as well for quite a while at tampa so you you know i'm i'm really curious to hear what you have to say so captain start us off
1: well you know chip back in, back in our day and and we hate to go back that far but we just didn't see this level of 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 not resistance but this level of denial of authority and and it's everywhere now so you have these organizations starting about three years ago engendering this this lack of trust from the citizens to the police and of course so there are a certain number of people that now they don't trust the police like they didn't before. And they're not going to, they're not going to do anything until the police prove their authority. Well, the fact that I'm out there wearing a uniform is fact that I have authority through my, my Republican form of government, that the people have willed it, that I have certain authority to do certain tasks. And if you don't obey my lawful authority, you will be punished for it. Now, couple that with that, with the trend for uh, uh, police and some agencies, not to want to do their job because they see what happens to police when they do their job. What we need is this: we need to retrain cops. We need to teach them this. Tell, uh, ask them, tell them, make them, and have the have the chief law enforcement officer stand behind their cops and said, "Listen, Mister Citizen, all you had to do was obey."
0: Wow, I'm 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 falling in love with you all over again, Brett. After that speech, that was a beautiful thing. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Sheriff Kreider. I, I know a lot of people are wondering examples on why cops would pull you over and not necessarily tell you, give you all the information to justify their authority over you or justify why it's a lawful order and why you need to obey them. In other words, instead of just simply complying and going to an internal affairs later, or if it's a criminal uh, you know, complaint, go to the state attorney's office or the district attorney's office and filing criminal charges, you know, they, they, they just can't grasp on the, why that would even be a possibility.
2: Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was watching the, uh... I was watching a video last night about traffic stops in particular. And, uh, you know, my deputies are trained when they walk up to your window. It's hi. uh, This is um, deputy umpty frats. Uh, The reason I for this stop today is that your left taillight is out. That's why I pulled you over. Uh, Are you aware that your taillight's out? It proceeds with a conversation usually results in a warning until we get attitude or we find other contraband in the car. So uh, this notion that they don't know what they're being pulled over for, I think, is a misnomer uh, that is not readily available out there on a day to day basis.
0: Well, I can I can give you I mean, look, I, I you know, I, I I agree with you that that most of the time we could probably pull people over and do that. But I can tell you that I, I couldn't even count the number of times, but we'll, especially well, but with the with the FBI, we're used to work. I mean, you're you're not coming clean on. I would say probably most of the time, giving people all the information you have when you're when you're when you're talking with them. Um, now, even on traffic stops, though, or even as a as a city cop as I was for thirty years, let's say that I just get a, a dispatch gives me a, a description of a vehicle or an armed robbery suspect. I might see a guy walking that matches the clothing description, or a guy in a car. I'm not going to volunteer that I think that he may have just robbed the 7-Eleven on the corner. Then he's going to know that I think he's an armed robber, and if he happens to be the bad guy, now he's going to be fight or flight mode. And, and, you know, of course I'm, I'm taking a huge risk and jeopardizing my life by not just acting like, eh, it's just a traffic ticket. I don't suspect you of anything really well. He may think that, eh, you know, you know, that, that he'll be able to get away. So I, I got paid to lie to people in order. I mean, you know, if, if, it, if it was justifiable, and if I thought that it was reasonable to give them the information, I would, but I wouldn't say it was always standard policy. Uh, give me your license, your registration, please. Is you It know, was normally, you know, my first thing. Uh, you know. Yeah, I think
2: I think Brett kind of alluded to it. uh, it's it's somewhat of a social contract between the citizens and the government in the fact that the citizens have said, hey, we want law and order. So we've asked all these police agencies to be formed and in in order for them to do their job, we'll be compliant with it. And when that breaks down, then we get chaos that ensues from traffic stops regular Terry stops or any other kind of stop. So if you're not willing to be policed, then that contract is is oh. kind of null and void. And this is what you get is this this just vitriolic uh, non-compliance. I mean, and I've always told my kids, hey, when you're out there, hey, if the guy pulled you over and you know that he's 100% in the wrong, comply, take him to court, sue his pants off, get get a big that you're going to lose he's got too many things on his belt if you don't comply that he's going to use against you out on the street don't that's not the place to hold court
0: nope. yeah i i know how many videos that we've seen where you know they asked for a driver's license and well, why'd you stop me and, well, I didn't do that. And then the, the, it goes on and on and on, and you give the bad guy more time to plan on what he's going to do. But, guys, it's time for our first commercial break. We'll continue this in a second. We'll be right back. All right, guys, it's time to talk about the new Gulls at Gulls.com slash Leo. Hopefully, Captain Bartley can help me out with this. And you guys know of Gulls, right? I mean, the country's leading uniform clothing, equipment, and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as a famous guy once said, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So if you haven't been to the new Gauls lately, please check him out at Gauls.com Leo. Now, now Captain Bartlett, when he's not, you know, live on the show ordering Gauls products instead of conversing with the rest of us, uh, he, he, he's a big fan of Gauls. What's going on at Gauls right now, Captain Brett?
1: Uh, they've made me a diamond buyer because I spent <laughs> as much money as it takes to buy a diamond. They've got uh, – I mentioned that they, they carry the Carhartt line, which is a gigantic line of, of uh, great product. Also, for the hose draggers in our uh, society, they're carrying the Lion Brand, which is a very, very big, big product uh, in, in
0: that world. Alls.com slash Leo. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So, uh, Brett, what else about compliance? I'm glad. I'm glad Chief Schultz wrote this article. Well, we
1: were talking about, uh, before the break, about telling the driver, for instance, the driver what they did or didn't do. I think as a, as a matter of simple politeness, it's a good idea to identify yourself. There's, just no, there's no reason why you should withhold your name to anybody you're talking to. When it comes to telling them why you pulled them over, I think it's a, it's a generally good idea to tell them why, because some people simply want to know. Some people use that as a basis for an argument, so you're kind of riding the fence there. It's a tactic. But I think generally speaking, you should lean towards telling people why you pulled them over. I just, you know, I've asked people, what is it going to take for me to do for you to take you to jail peacefully? Why did you pull me over? Well, that's why. Okay, fine, you win. Why not give that? But it's it's a it's a tactic and it's a strategy. Here's where we're gonna win. The public needs to be educated on this. Police officers have the legal authority to to ask you and tell you to do certain things. Your your win will come, their win will not come that day. It'll come the next day, either in court or in internal affairs. It will not come on the side of the road. And and our and our, our, our CEOs of our agents need to stand behind our troops and go, Sir, ma'am, they gave you lawful authority. You didn't do it. Therefore, they exercise their lawful authority to take you into custody and present you to the court.
0: Okay, so there are people watching the show. Who are listening to us talk and they're going to say, okay, so if the cop refuses to tell me why he pulled me over, then I don't have to do what he tells me to do. Or do I have to do what he tells me to do? No, of
1: course not. But it's simply this. The the best fight, the best resist you'll ever be in is the one you're not in. So if it takes me telling somebody this is why I pulled you over or this is why I'm arresting you for them to comply, that costs me nothing.
0: No, I get it. But there are people that watch the show because I'm the guy that ends up debating with these guys on a daily basis telling me that. You know, the cop didn't tell me what I have to do, or they should have to tell you what what they should have to yeah. do it. Or maybe even they're under the impression that they're statute, statutorily required to do that. Um, so there are there is an element of people out there. And some of these guys are otherwise good citizens, but they simply are not going to comply unless they get more information. And for whatever reason, there, and you're it, right.
1: And But there's a certain line that you draw right if, if somebody if all they want is for me to tell them why this encounter is occurring what is my lawful third right fine i'll read it off to them no big deal if that's well, what gets me over the hump that's, but that's not ahead. always the case
0: though brett oh you i know, know that. I that i realize that but that's or why you, you, got, you to lie and make something up which is what yeah, i would do. i understand I would that
1: that's why i said it's not a, it's not it's a tactical decision it's a tactical. i'd lie my butt off to people if i thought that's what was going to get me to the other side but it's not a, it's not a it's not a every single person tactic. Okay? Yeah. You use it, use it judiciously when you have to.
0: All right. So I think we're all in agreement to if the choice if the choice is there, comply, like the sheriff said, fight that other battle, you know, state attorney's office, internal affairs, whatever, leave that option open for the next for the next day, because you always have that option. You
1: know? Ask them, tell them, make them.
0: Yeah. All right, beautiful. All right. Well, guys, thank you. Moving along, we got about four minutes till our uh, to the bottom of the hour, our second commercial break. So let's see what we have in store for our next one on police. One, for Oakland. <laughs> you can't get away from uh, from California. So, Oakland mayor rejects the entire police chief candidate list. So listen to this. Now, look. Whenever I hear the, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You used to hear words like LAPD. And you used to associate them with the pinnacle of law enforcement training, right? I mean, we even used to work with, uh, uh, you know, remember Corporal Dale Hyde left TPD. He wanted to go work for LAPD. How many guys would end up doing that today? They, they, they certainly have gone down on the respect, uh, on the respect mill. But um, in Oakland, we have the mayor, Shank Thao, has rejected all the finalists that were picked for the city's police chief job, leaving the vacant position in limbo again. This is nearly a year after she placed the last permanent chief on leave and then she fired him. So in a statement, the mayor's office said that she wanted the Oakland police commission. Now that's another name that I hear. And I immediately think of convicted felons because when Oakland came up with this police commission, they actively uh, lobbied for and publicized that they wanted to hire convicted felons to put them on this police commission. So this, this commission is trash. And so they're going on to say that the Oakland Police Commission, they want she wants them to supply her with a new list of candidates to lead the Oakland Police Department, which has been without a permanent leader since February. So yeah, almost a year. It goes on to say that the move marks the latest twist in the saga that started in January. Uh, you know, when the mayor placed the former chief, LaRon Armstrong, on leave, and it talks about the reasons why and stuff. Uh, but yeah, she's. Uh, it, it's just relying on a police commission to submit names, but then she's just turned down all the names. And of course this guy that she just got rid of Armstrong, he's like the number one guy in on the list that she just turned down again. It's just kind of crazy. I don't know if there's any shock or surprises with this or if there's even any commentary, but, but Sheriff, go ahead.
2: I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Ann Kirkpatrick. Uh, Ann oh, was a yeah. uh, police chief in Spokane. She was also the Oakland police chief. She just a short Yeah. Yeah, it, she just uh, just was named uh, chief of police in New Orleans I believe. Correct. And she was uh, she won a big lawsuit against the city of Oakland so uh all I can say is hire a good attorney and you know Oakland it, you get what you pay for and I think that we've been we've been hiring way too many police executives based upon metrics that have nothing whatsoever to do with law enforcement and leadership and we need to get back to uh, know, merit hiring on people that do a good job and are good leaders in order to get our organizations in order.
1: I I agree. I think if 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 it was any other jurisdiction, I would say, listen, if, if the mayor is not happy with the slate of candidates, then don't go with it, because what other position under the mayor is going to provide victory or defeat for the mayor? I will bet she didn't go through six or 12 lists of the solid waste department manager guy, because even though that's an important position, it's not a, it's not a make or break position. Um, a couple of years ago here in, in, in Tampa chief or chip, you knew this, uh, the mayor, uh, put forth a candidate and everybody got up in arms about it. Yeah. I actually went in front of city council, not to defend that person, but to say that she, the mayor should have the right to hire anybody she thinks is going to help her be successful. Now, in that particular instance, it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to turn out. But the mayor should have that saying. And if those candidates aren't what she wants, go get some
0: new ones. All right. Good point. That's
2: why I'm elected.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It may not necessarily be a bad move to be a sheriff <laughs> over a police chief. Let me tell you. Hey, it's time for our second commercial break, guys. We'll be right back. All right, guys. Struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures? Or what about the liability of getting it wrong? Say hello to bluethegold.com. They translate church procedure doctrines in the clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to. Plus, they give the training for free thanks to BlueTheGold.com's free weekly webinars. Now, next week, they're talking about CIs and search warrants. Wow. So sign up at BlueTheGold.com today. Join thousands of your peers in blue and step up your legal game because, frankly, you and your agency cannot afford not to. So, hey. Let's now talk about AU Fire. It stands for Accuracy Under Fire. It's at aufire.com, and now agencies can prepare their LEOS for the mental challenges associated with being wounded on duty, forcing them to adapt, problem solve, refocus, and overcome to effectively neutralize the threat. Now, aufire.com is the only option to safely prepare LEOS for the incident, intense, random, distracting mobilization of a body part associated with a debilitating wound. So, go to aufire.com, learn about this cool product. And, hey, watch the videos, AUFire.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law enforcement talk show, still live from the Boss talk Studios in Plant City, Florida. So if we have exhausted the last topic, and I think the uh, sheriff presented a very good argument on why you should maybe elect to be a sheriff who's elected as opposed to being a Appointed as a police chief, so that was good. um Hey, let's go on to our first story that's got kind of a video component. So, look, we've got a lot of uh, audio listeners. So, if you're uh, listening to the show via podcast or radio station, please stay loyal to your platform that's bringing you this good quality content. We appreciate it. And any video component that we're talking about, we're describing great details so you guys don't feel like you're missing out on anything. And of course, you know our live show. It's Monday through Friday during the lunch hour, that twelve to one o'clock time slot on Eastern Time. But producer Will takes this live show. And he and he has a special version that comes out the very next day at nine o'clock in the morning on a rumble channel and in that special version he embeds any videos we talk about he put pictures of the good guys and the bad guys and it's an interesting way to watch the show so if we absolutely have to watch that uh, video that we're talking about just nine o'clock the next morning go to a rumble channel and at nine and afterwards it'll be there waiting for you so at rumble.com and on our, on our favorite law enforcement video channel called this is butter laPD they release a body cam where the canine would not release from the suspect's leg. Let's go, man! 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 Let's go, man!
3: Let's go, man! 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 Let's
0: go, man! Let's go, man! Let's go, man! Let's go, man! Let's go, man! let go of him! let go of him! us let go of let us go up, let us push up. let us push let up.
3: Push us up.
1: Loss. There
3: you go. Loss.
0: Yeah, this canine bit down and they couldn't get him. I wouldn't say the guy was uh, um, was super aggressive in getting the dog to release the bad guy. Uh, but look, I, my the whole point, I would say, look, if, if you comply, you know, this never would, if the bad guy would have complied and not run from the cops, this never would have happened. But on November the 27th at 155 in the morning, LAPD Rampart Division uniform officers, they're patrolling. They observed two males standing in the middle of the roadway next to a double parked car. When the officers drive closer, one of the guys, later identified as Jackson Romero, he turns to walk away, and then he immediately starts to what? He starts to run, which is what he never should have done. I have no sympathy for this guy. Officers observe that as Romero is running, he quickly quickly grabs a dark satchel, which is like a man purse, right? I think Brett would back me up on that. It's like a man purse. They call it satchels because it's just more you know politically correct. But he's wearing this thing across his chest. It's kind of like the old. Packs. I'm not going to use the other word for that. I don't want to offend Brett, but uh, but anyhow, he made the the officers uh, believe that he was armed with a firearm. So the officers they give chase. They broadcast that they're on foot pursuit. Uh, 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 they called it a 415 man with a gun. So wow, so that's serious stuff, right? So during the foot pursuit, Romero removes the satchel set from the across the chest, throws it to the ground, and then he runs westbound out of the officer's sight. So they establish a perimeter. So in the surrounding area, so they don't want this guy to get away. They recover the satchel and then um, it had a loaded handgun in it. So the Metropolitan Division canine officers, so the canine responds to the perimeter and now they start doing a canine search. This is what I love. So after a brief search, Romero was discovered hiding in the rear yard of a single family residence where canine plats. Uh, He makes contact and you can tell he makes contact because all of a sudden you start to hear the screaming on the video. And, uh, yeah, they were screaming for over two minutes. I timed it. Romero, our bad guy, then he surrenders to the cops, and he's taken into custody without further incident. Uh, he's transported by rescue ambulance to the hospital, where he's hospitalized for non-life-threatening injuries caused by the canine contact, which I'll get to in a minute. Responding officers were unable to locate the second guy that was initially standing there but took off. The firearm was a loaded blue steel semi-auto 9 millimeter handgun. Now, going to my show notes, I have down that at six minutes and fifty seconds into the um, into the story or the or the um, the video, the screams start almost immediately, and then the dog finally lets go at eight fifty four. So from six fifty, where the screams start, to eight fifty four, which is like two minutes and four seconds later, the dog finally lets go. And uh, yeah, they were working on that. Yeah, it wasn't working. I wouldn't say too aggressively, but yeah, the dog. The dog, the dog even released at one point and he was just trying to get a better position on the bite. And he just goes in again. It was a, it was a wild, I'm trying not. my wife had this, she starts closing my doors in my den because I had the sound up. She's trying to watch TV. It was just, I was just having a field day yesterday watching this thing. Captain Brett. Um, I would
1: hope as a bad guy (laughs) that the, the animal would be repelled by the smell of fresh urine. (laughs) I'm hoping he's not been trained to ignore that. Um, but, and, and then the, the, the officer yells, tell the guy, stop screaming. I'm telling you right now, get, <laughs> get it on paper. I'm not going to stop screaming when I'm oh. being eaten. And the fact that, that that dog didn't come off that bad guy after being ordered to do so, that, that's going to be a problem. I thought I thought the dog was supposed to reply to my commands no matter what he was doing. I, I've never been a canine. But if that dog stays in and, and still eating that guy after been ordered out, that could be an issue.
0: All right. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do love, I do love canine video videos. This isn't necessarily the reason why Uh, that's my official public statement that I'll make, not the one I'll make in private, but, uh, but Sheriff Kreider.
2: Yeah, I couldn't help but laugh. Uh, canine videos are just funny period. Um, there were some tactical issues that I observed during the course of the, uh, course of the contact with the, uh, with the bad guy, some backlighting, Uh, As they're going down, but oh, what a, what a mess to go into that backyard. Uh, At one point they said it's a jungle and it did look like a jungle. Um, But yeah, you know, maybe, maybe some additional training for uh, uh, canine platts on his release, Uh, but good aggression. Uh, He kept the, you know, kept the bad guy in check. He wasn't going anywhere, kept him sedated. And, you know, quite frankly, a night in the hospital, for noncompliance, if they had caught him with the handgun and he had presented that handgun, oh. he might be dead. So, you good know, point. in the overall scheme of things, the canine did exactly what it is designed to do. And it was a good job. Uh, like all of us, maybe a little, like I said, a little additional training to come off that bite a little quicker when the, uh, when the handler gives him the command. But otherwise, it was funny.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's all in a day's work. Now, look, I'm not going to say that I, look, in a perfect world, the canine would have released from the owner. I I would expect to tell the canine maybe typically more than once to release because it's not like they're just waiting. Just give me the word so I can let go of this bad guy. You know, they're into it. I mean, if I, if, you know, and, and the guys I work with know, and the guys I work with are the same way. If I take my shirt off, I've got scars all up and down my arm uh, from canines. I mean, I, I've got bit by by plenty of them i can tell you lancer has a scar right here from his handler was jimmy menendez and i can tell you the names of the dogs that bit me and, and i can tell you the canine trainers if you if they take i'm not gonna say if they take their pants off because that'll get bread excited but if they wore shorts you'll see scars up and down their leg because these dogs get so worked up remember they're they're fearless you know but they their goal they want to get that they want to get that bite in and they get worked up so i've seen remember I don't know if you know brett but jimmy menendez would always have bite marks all up and down his leg from lancer if he wasn't able to get he gets all worked up and and let's just say the bad guy complies and and he never gets the dog never gets released he's gonna he's gonna take it out on 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 flesh (laughs) you know and jimmy you
1: know they're an animal they get into at the same time that's why you're not taking animals off the street and it turn to king you're you're going through hundreds and hundreds of thousands of of training to make them respond to your commands now i want to get this on records too in case (laughs) i've ever attacked by canine and they say sir stop resisting um, I have a prepared response, and it is this. Um, I shall not stop resisting while I'm being <laughs> eaten alive by this by this devil animal. So that's my statement right now.
0: Hey, how about in this video they told the bad guy getting eaten, the one that screamed, they say, hey, put your hands over your head. And he, he, he did it, and, and the canine was still latched on. I couldn't believe he was able to do that because I'm saying Brett would – Brett would testify under oath that there's no possible way. The guy's going to be able to do that. And and I was surprised he did it.
2: it it's kind of funny. You mentioned that we had a, uh, we had a car chase man with a gun call car chase, uh, car crashes. And the guy takes off up into the mountains. And uh, we ended up, uh, I ended up taking him into custody and handcuffing him. And as I'm walking him back down the, uh, the mountain, the dog had been tracking and I told the bad guy, I said, Hey, uh, is it okay if we let the dog bite you? You know, because he worked really hard and he really deserves to get a bite. And the guy looked at me like, Are you kidding me? I'm like, You know, he worked really hard and, you know, his goal is to get a bite and it'd be okay. You know, just
0: one little bite. <laughs> That's pretty good.
1: Just just uh, a little taste, just a little licky, licky, licky right around the groin area just to get it off.
0: Oh, you had to throw that in, didn't you, didn't you Captain Brett? All right. Uh, at Rumble, we're still at Rumble.com, still on our favorite law enforcement video channel called This Is Butter. So now we're in New York, though. NYPD officers fatally shoot a 78-year-old man, wow, 78 years old, who aimed a gun at them during a burglary call. Hey. Yeah. Sorry,
3: just- oh. a- Shit! Oh my
0: God! I found it surprising how long it took Everybody, I- including me, that realized that the guy had a gun. I mean, I'm reading the title, so I know what's going down better than the guys on the scene because I, I read in the description, you know, of the article, you know, that the guy aims a gun at them. So I'm looking for the gun, but it was kind of hard to the way he was holding it. Um, but you got to be on your A game. So NY police officers, it's Officer Michael Antidormi and Nicholas Prisco. They respond to a burglary call in Brooklyn on Thursday. They shoot shoot and kill an elderly resident after he allegedly charges at them with a gun. Um, It all happens around 1.30 in the afternoon. Police say they get a call from a guy saying that his elderly uncle was inside his apartment and he believed that somebody was breaking into the home. Surveillance video shows two NYPD officers respond to the 911 call. Um, The cops knock on the apartment door. The 78-year-old responds by opening the door He's got a firearm in his left hand, but close to the body. It's not like sticking out, pointing at them, and no one really notices it for a second or two. Officers finally observe the firearm. They start yelling no. They start retreating backwards. This guy raises the firearm up and steps out of the apartment with the firearm pointing at the officers. So the officer shot the 78-year-old named Caesar Robinson six times Listen to how this thing ends, guys. Commercial break. Our last one. will be right back. All right. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition or how much you think that you know, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunlearn.com, though, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've actually made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offers a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like Captain Brett Bartlett here. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar, and you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm, knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. That's GunLearn.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live at Boss Hog in Plant City, you know, uh, during the uh, commercial break. Sorry, Brett's at home. His wife's there. His girlfriend just walked into the room. It got a little, he had to shut the camera off. I don't know what kind of drama was going on, but hopefully, Brett, I, I know you're back with us. Did everything work out okay? uh that's my love child the little one's my love child that's uh, <laughs> is that what it was okay child. well we were concerned for you so we're glad that you're still in one piece at least we can only see you from the waist up which is probably a good thing in 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 my best memory from working with you so uh so it's all it's all good
1: i could go so many directions on that chip. i just i'm not going
0: to i'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that he's so uh, jealous. So, so, so any, on our last, our last story, is there anything else before we jump? Oh, that's right. We were, I was, I was finishing up, wasn't I? See, I got, I got so distracted with, with things. So, you know, it, so we've got this, uh, this elderly guy, 78 year old that answers NYPD, uh, with a gun in his left hand and they end up uh, shooting him six times, but he, he comes out of the, He comes out of the door coming at him. And it says that both the officers fall to the ground because they're trapped inside the hallway. They did not have a place to retreat. Once the officers were able to get back up and get composed, they start performing CPR, life-saving measures on this guy. He goes to the hospital. In fact, all three of them go to the hospital. The 78-year-old dude dies, but, of course, he got shot six times. And uh, investigators say they recovered a gun from the scene. Um, I think the cops ended up being okay. I'm not sure why they went to the hospital unless they just got injured pulling on each other, you know, in the stairwell. Uh, Captain Bartlett.
1: Well, a couple things I noticed as they were going through the front door, one of them reached up and put a stop or some kind of device up the top so people could come in behind them. I I, I don't know if that was necessary, but it was a good idea. They actually make little devices you can keep in your pocket now for such thing. The second was one of the officers, I saw him, it took longer to get rid of his phone than it should have. It was in his hand for too long. And we know we trained on this years and years ago, chip out of the range. We'd have our officers stand with their clipboard in their hand or their ticket book in their hand. And we had guys that it, it was like it was glued to their hand. They couldn't get rid of it when the targets turned. Yeah. So that that's the only thing I noticed was just a, a little bit too long to drop that phone out of his hand.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Brett. Um tell our audience what happens. I mean, remember when we remember with remember even with having magazines, when we switched over from revolvers to semi-automatic pistols, and I know maybe I'm dating myself, but yeah, when I first came on, we were carrying, you know, revolvers back in eighty-three. And then the semi-automatic handguns, people made the transition. Semis were already out, guys, but you know it just took a while for the conversion, uh, you know, for agencies to start carrying them. And of course, you know everybody waits to see what the FBI, you know, is doing. But remember, we had uh, guys with uh, with uh, with magazine and picking up, picking up brass and stuff. Tell our audience what happened with uh, with guys in shootouts and and uh, magazines and and brass and all that stuff. Or, or do you remember?
1: Well, you know, there was that famous uh, event from way out in California decades and decades ago where they found the, the dead cops after a traffic stop with empty brass in their pocket. And they had been trained to put that brass in their pocket yeah. rather than dropping it. So it's, it's a training scar. Okay, it's, 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 so there should be always, always training. If you're going to, if you're going to be at the side of a vehicle with your clipboard in your hand or your, your book, you should be trained. Whatever's in your hand, coffee cup, whatever, open your hand, let it go. Don't put it anywhere. Just open your hand and get rid of it.
0: Sure. I,
2: I'd just like to point out for those of you that are trying to guess how old Chip and Brett are that John Browning invented the semi-automatic pistol in 1903. Uh, just throwing that out for.
1: That's all right. <laughs> you know, my first caliber was 45 Long Colt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. Good thing I'll forget you said that tomorrow. The,
2: the only uh, the only thing I kind of really took away is you know we've 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 morphed into the society that kind of relies on these uh, body cameras and when you're looking at that body camera you really don't get a true image of what the officer is seeing and so uh you know like chip said he had to watch it a couple times to even see the gun uh for the life of me i can't figure out you know i'm thinking okay the guy's in there with a gun he's thinking he's being home invaded but uh unfortunately i didn't hear uh, the you know, when the video started, you didn't hear the, uh, the audio because it was just video for the first 30 seconds. But, um, I'm assuming they announced that they were the police. So I don't know why he came, came out and then leveled that gun at him. Um, very unfortunate that, that it turned out the way that it did. But if you're going to point a gun at a police officer, you got to expect a response.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A law enforcement response. Excellent. No guys and
1: I, I also noticed it ship though the one that had the the silver uh pistol it looked like a smith and wesson double action only semi-automatic because it had the hammer that didn't look like it had the spur so it looks like it was double action only which i didn't know they carried them up there in New York.
0: interesting i yeah, see so you know you got a you got a gun nut like brett he's going to notice all these things that i'm just going to miss so wow um anything else share before we move on to the last one
2: no and the uh Just uh, in noting that Gaston Glock did pass away yesterday,
1: the inventor of the Glock. So, um, wow. Throw that out there.
0: Well, he was like, what was he, 92 or something, I think? Yeah.
1: A lot of guys don't know this, but about 20 years ago, he was attacked by a competitor. The guy hired somebody to do him in, and the old man fought him off and put the other guy in the hospital, and he went to prison. Are you serious? The old man fought him off in the parking garage there in Austria, Germany, somewhere. Yeah.
0: I love it. I didn't know that. Um, so uh, on uh, Red Voice Media, you know, they've got, they're a huge news source. If you guys never checked them out for news stories, it's pretty, it's pretty good. RVM, for that stands for Red Voice Media, rvmnews.com. So Houston Highway Hysteria, hours-long police standoff with a big rig.
3: ...of green smoke coming out of the passenger side of the cab. We believe officers were trying to smoke out the driver, but no movement. By 2.30, members of the SWAT team arrive and traffic on the feeder road is shut down. 2.49, a chopper from the sheriff's office lands on I-10 westbound. You can see an officer runs towards the action. 3 p.m., that feeder road is now a staging area for law enforcement. Then, about six SWAT team members move in and open the back of the shipping container. It was empty. Three minutes later at 3.08 p.m., robots and a drone are deployed, giving officers a look at the suspect through the front windshield. 3.21. With a gun drawn, peeking out of an armored vehicle, a SWAT team member is looking through the barrel of his weapon face-to-face with the suspect. Using non-lethal force, he would fire at least two shots. This chess game would soon come to an end. 3.35, what officers call a rook, moves in and makes a hole in the cab. They throw in a canister of smoke while the rook continues to gut the cab. Close to 4 p.m., the SWAT team and a K-9 unit moves in, surrounding the suspect from both sides and then dragging him out of the truck. His face, covered in blood, he walked to a nearby stretcher and was taken to the hospital. There is a video component to this. Um,
0: and and it's at rvmnews.com. So we're in Houston, Texas. Law enforcement in Harris County successfully apprehends a bad guy after an hours-long standoff on Wednesday. So this thing starts off on on I-10, and it ends in an arrest of a defiant guy who has now been identified as Trinidad Cutshall, and he's 42 years old. So this starts happening as Cutshall, our bad guy, resists commands throughout the standoff, And ultimately SWAT team had to physically remove him from the scene and he stole, he had an 18 wheeler. So the Harris County Sheriff's Office, uh, is involved with this. So it starts after one o'clock PM patrol unit spots, a stalled 18 wheeler, uh, on I-10, the deputy responds to potential traffic hazard activates emergency lights to investigate. And despite his attempts to contact the driver, the driver of the 18 wheeler, um, he was described as being Hispanic or white, fails to comply, and now he starts moving away forward at a slow pace, displaying evasive maneuvers that he starts to swerve across multiple lanes of traffic, and now authorities start getting concerned about, you know, what's going to happen. This guy, this dude's still in the interstate. So I've only got a little over two minutes, so I'm going to rush through this so we can talk about it. Um, so considering potential risk to public safety, deputy makes a decision to closely monitor the movements of the truck, pursues him until it finally comes to a stop. So now there's a standoff, Tensions are high. Law enforcement, they fire an object like a tear gas canister into the cab of the truck at 1.46 p.m., and then they take tactical action in an effort to to get him to surrender. Prolonged standoff. They get an armored vehicle with a ram, a, a metal ram attached to it, and they just tear the side of this the cab of this 18-wheeler just to pieces. They send in a canine, and then they end up dragging the guy out. Um, I didn't have a, a great video uh, a portion of this with the canine, Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they, they actually cut the video spliced it. So I don't know what happened once they send the canine in and then all of a sudden it's cut canines back out with the handler and they got the bad guy coming out of the cab. So I can only imagine, I think the canine did, did do his due diligence and biting and not releasing on that one. But we got a little over a minute guys to talk about this one. And I don't know if you guys have been involved with anything like this before, but it was pretty spectacular.
2: Yeah, you don't want to get you don't want to get bit by a canine, and you certainly don't want to be in a confined space when the canine comes in there. <laughs>
0: yeah. The cab of that truck's pretty big though. I mean, they sleep in there and stuff. I mean, it was we got a beautiful it's, side view after they tore the side of it open. So well, the, it's not well, the,
2: big enough when you put a canine in there.
1: <laughs> the, the story I got, Chip, was when they put that canine, in, that guy made that hole in the side of the truck. The cops had nothing to do with that.
0: what i was trying to figure out it it looked to me like he maybe was his his stuff was a little soiled when they pulled him out of the i could have been imagining that but yeah i I think there was a a pretty good fight going on when they when the canine got done with them
1: it's called a battle poop it gets you ready to run
0: is that it all right so uh i i'm sure i I doubt many truckers will have a problem with that they were probably i suspect most truckers were rooting for the dog as opposed to this uh you know wackadoo that's driving this 18 wheeler and uh and uh, just presenting a problem for law enforcement and all the people on the the law abiding citizens on the interstate. So scary stuff. Um, hey, uh, hey, Brett. I know we're I, I you know we're kind of at at a time here. Um, Sheriff, is it fair to say that if anyone wants to meet you personally, all they have to do is just drive up to Walla Walla County and uh, in Washington State, and they can uh, have a have a hands on with you or or one of your troops. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, and Captain Bartlett, you're still got that Exumber Defense Solutions at ExumberDefense.com, Is that correct?
1: Yep, firearms training, private investigation,
0: other things as well. You got to love it. Final word, Sheriff? Yeah, come on
2: out to Walla Walla County. We have 166 wineries if you're a wine drinker and oh. uh, spend some of that hard earned cash okay. to help support the uh, law enforcement efforts in Walla Walla County.
0: All right, you got to love it. You know, yeah,
1: that- I, I, I checked out on Google Maps. There's uh, uh, the rivers running uh, west side of the county. Looks like it could be a lot of good, a uh, lot of fun.
0: Yeah. You know, those magic words probably took half of Florida away. Headed headed over there right now, Sheriff. So, uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. A shout out to uh, well, the blue, the blue dot org, worthy of your support, guys. Galls afire.com dot com, blue on Medicare and also a shout out again, Brian Burns, the Free Press at CampaFP.com, Ray Dietrich, RedVoiceMedia We'll see you guys next week.